Stampede. Garner isn't number 32. Sometimes it's difficult for me to find the funny side of life. But surprisingly, laughing can make you live longer. I've known a few people that could make me laugh just by looking at them. I mean, the first thing coming out of their mouth could make me roll over with laughter. Usually, I'm prone to dry wit. Although, as a child... I liked slapstick comedy, you know, like the Three Stooges. So the other day, I bumped into an old friend while at the grocery store, and she said, Eddie, why don't we catch up on old times and have lunch? I know this Mexican restaurant. Sure, I love Ensalada Suiza. Finish shopping. It'll be good hearing how things are going. So... After shopping, she offered to drive me to El Sombrero, a quaint Mexican restaurant. She had her little toy French poodle named Teddy in the front seat. Now, my old friend had a reputation for loving animals. In the past, if she found an insect living in her house, she'd gently find a way to capture it and carefully take it outside. 
I mean, if it were in the dead of winter, with temperatures 30 below zero, she'd take an insect outside and release it back into nature. There, it's back where it belongs. Of course, I never would say anything like, you know, you just killed that insect. I could never tell her that, because this woman would stop traffic on a country road to permit a female goose with her goslings to cross. And rightfully so. People should be respectful of the continuity of living things. And I'm personally deeply affected if I injure an animal while driving a car. That's why I prefer someone to drive me where I need to go, because if I hit a living animal, that experience stays with me forever. Now, Teddy, my friend's toy poodle, was an extremely possessive dog. attempted to enter the car, Teddy didn't appreciate my taking his privileged front seat, attempting to snap at me. Teddy, Teddy, stop that. Let Eddie sit down. And she grabbed him, pulling him to her lap and kissing him on his long nose. So as I sat down on Teddy's special seat, and began buckling up the safety belt. My friend said, Oh, Eddie, I forgot. I've got to go back in the store. I have to use the washroom. Watch Teddy. I'll be right back. I looked at Teddy, and he looked at me. Now, I love dogs. I've had over 25 dogs during my life, and I can tell you, Teddy didn't like me taking his seat in the car. My friend continued caressing Teddy, kissing him on his long nose, while he looked at me as if I were a usurper. I said, wait a second, why don't you take Teddy with you? What's wrong, Eddie? Don't you like Teddy? Of course I do. It's just that he might hold me responsible for your leaving the car. 
he might retaliate. What do you mean? Well, he didn't like me taking his seat. Why don't you take him with you to the bathroom? Teddy with me to the bathroom? Well, yes, that way he'll feel more secure with you. Teddy to the woman's restroom? Yes, that way he won't feel any separation anxiety. I can't do that, Eddie. And why not? Because Teddy's a male dog. What do you mean? I can't take Teddy into the woman's restroom. He's a man dog. And Teddy looked at me. Now, somewhere, there was humor in not taking Teddy, the male toy poodle, into the woman's restroom. And what exactly that humor is, I'm not sure. I know humor has many faces, and there are lots of people who devote their entire lives trying to think up things that are funny. And it's safe to say, in this very serious and often tragic world, humor might lessen our pain. But what exactly is funny? Well, one thing is certain, it isn't the same for everyone. Sometime, everything isn't for some people. I mean, a cartoon character flattened by an automobile can produce laughter. Creating a paper-thin cartoon character, making a pancake man, which can be humorous to some, but might be distasteful to others. Things have gotten very serious lately. Even the old reliable knock-knock who's there joke can have a flat message. Let's see. Knock-knock. Who's there? Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence who? Intelligence to make you stupid. Or let's see how this sounds. I can't get no respect. Artificial intelligence is doing my thinking. Or how does this sound? Take my wife, please. She's fallen in love with artificial intelligence. The fact of the matter is, we aren't laughing as much as we used to, because lots of people have noticed the jokes are on them. I mean, when Don Rickles used to insult an audience member, you knew that person wasn't a hockey puck. But when a large number of the voting public is referred to as deplorables, that isn't funny.
everybody deserves a little respect. But in the consumerist world, there are very distinct lines, and it usually looks like this. Nobody remembers who's number two. The only number that counts is who wins. Consumerism only respects the winners. It's never about being content with who you are. If you aren't winning, you're a loser. Even if you've done a good job, it can only have meaning if you're better than someone else. And this can produce corrupting values in a society. But to create something should be in and of itself a measurement. The numbers can be distorted when you claim you're number one. The natural world measures survivability, and that includes thousands of possibilities. Not just who's the strongest or who's the best. It's oftentimes who can adapt, how to find a different way. Nature is always changing, and the rules can be different in the blink of an eye. Consumerism takes without understanding. It needs profits, without which the system doesn't work. And today, in our case, when you don't have profits, you make it look like you have profits. That's when the denial of the obvious results in something other than healthy skepticism. Skepticism turned into questioning. Questioning turned into disbelief disbelief and the mental distrust like paranoia. That's when things start to show signs at the edges that something is wrong. Sometimes it's when people protest or more subtle signs like people attempting to avoid facing reality, seeking shelter, watching, spending hours on end being entertained by mindless deceptions. Don't think about what's happening. Allow yourself to be anesthetized, put into a state of half asleep, half awake, hypnotized, 
into numbness. And when you wake up, the anxiety of having to face what's happening turns to resolve with committing violence. You can't be content when consumerism is being used to trick you into believing everything is all right, especially when the profits that the system demands aren't there. The creeping paranoia emerges and surveillance becomes the order of the day. Cameras have to be installed everywhere to make sure people are conforming. The reality becomes the lie. It becomes a series of deceptions to keep you believing the air you breathe, the food you eat, the money you use, the water you drink is all good. Well, when you wake up and find out you've been tricked, you've been made into a tool to keep the system going, that's when it'll be too late. And the next stop, you're not needed anymore. The system doesn't hold loyalty for tools no longer usable. Tear down the old. Build the new, keeping the propaganda on track. It's a non-stoppable train. A runaway train. And don't worry about the curve ahead. Because... Even if it can't negotiate the gravitational pull, the resulting carnage won't even be noticed.
you want me to entertain you. Well, I won't do that. The risks are great. The inevitability is certain. Somewhere, somehow, consumerism will run its course. And what will replace it is difficult to say. But looking at how things have been in the past, a militaristic state seems the logical conclusion. And of course, when mentioning military rule, one has to consider weapons. And that makes me think about the important aspect of research and development of weapons. Take, for example, the length of time it takes for an idea to evolve into the finished production of a weapon. If you've got a good idea for a weapon, and believe me, there are a lot of corporations that think that way, it takes time to develop it into a real product. Now, at present, the most famous weapon of all is the nuclear bomb. And it's a curious thing to see the timeline of the scientific understanding of an idea that eventually led to the development of the detonation of the first nuclear bomb at Alamogordo, New Mexico, called the Trinity Test, which ushered in the atomic age. It took approximately 45 years, starting with the beginning theories of nuclear physics, understanding for the first time the physical properties and working of the building blocks of all material things, the basic thing that all things are made of, the atom, from about 1900, when nuclear physicists discovered what the atom was, it took 45 years to use that knowledge to build the first nuclear bomb. Now, this is my point. Since 1945 to the present, in 75 years, almost every aspect of human knowledge in unprecedented science has advanced. And I think it's safe to say many of those advances have created new weapons. I won't hazard a guess what those weapons are, except to say they probably involve the very composition of DNA. Somewhere, someone has developed secret weapons that if used will shock us into disbelief. Over time, I'm sure, what has been created dwarfs the destructive force of a nuclear bomb.
maybe I've got it all wrong. Maybe underneath it all, the human spirit is good. One thing I'm certain of, we came from the natural world, and nothing living in that world has the destructive force of survival that we have. There's a balance in nature, and it may be cruel and heartless, but it survives by ancient, time-tested laws. We've built things that challenge those laws, some of the very laws that permit us to exist. When we deny our relationship to the natural world using false values, values that can't be found in nature, then we become dangerous. No elephant knows what a prophet is, but we believe the ivory from an elephant has a prophet. We need to see the beauty of an elephant and not a prophet that can be derived from it. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Sanson's Carnival of the Animals, the Aquarium, in 1886 composition. Then another recording from the Carnival of the Animals. You then heard a short lead to cartoons, Merry Melodies, and three drum rim shots from TLWMDBT. Next was from Mazorsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, The Hut on Fowl's Legs, and finally three cuts from Hans Zimmer, Wallace, Seawall, and again Seawall from the movie Blade Runner 2049. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.